Oh, today's episode is a special episode as we are joined by the incredible Flex Lewis. And I mean, seven-time Mr. Olympian, but actually one of my dear friends. And this man is one of the most incredible men that I've ever met. One of the most incredibly driven, wise, successful, just fucking badasses. And when I'm in his presence, I just feel better as a human being. And he is literally one of the world's best. And we got into it. I recorded this episode with him in his studio in Vegas And oh my goodness, do I love it. We talk about the power of remaining consistent as a seven-time Mr. Olympia with the desire to be the best as opposed to average. We talk about how each title he holds has a why attached that drove him to the finish line. We talk about the power of starting from scratch, coming into the U.S. from Wales to all-time seven-time Mr. Olympia. And boy, oh boy, if you want to hear a story, this is the story. We talk about having a relationship with resistance and pretending it's not there and how investing in yourself as if you've already achieved it is the secret. And and I'm telling you right now, this man, this man has more people that I know, more famous people, celebrities, people that I look up to calling him for advice because his mindset and his ability, like he's a champion through and through his core and now watching him be a champion father and a champion husband and a champion for helping other people achieve the same is mind blowing to me and it is humbling and an honor to be in his presence and to call him as a friend. And so give this episode a listen because this thing is incredible. So without further ado, let's get into the show with the incredible, incredible Flex Lewis. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George show from a little bit of a different location, but we are in studio live in the Dragon's Lair itself. And today's guest shouldn't need an introduction, but for those of you who don't know, uh, just world champion, everything in life, incredible friend, father, husband, man, leader, uh, has just been a pioneer in so many things. Somebody that I'm incredibly blessed to have a very deep connected relationship with. I bet on his podcast as well. And just a man of so many talents of so many incredible viewpoints and incredibly hard to understand most of the time. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Flex Lewis. Oh, that was an intro for me. Yeah. Oh my God, so many lives, George. I know. Well, you know, I got to get you going a little bit. Here. <laughs> Jeez. No, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And, uh, even though you're introducing me on my mics and in my office, it's it. kind of a, you know, bit of a wild one, but uh, great to have myself and your show on my show. I know. That and makes he, sense. It's like a little environmental design trick because like you're so comfortable, you can just talk more in your studio. Ah, you psychological yeah. fucker, you. You, know, little, you got me. A little warfare. Yeah, you got me good. You got me good. No, I'm, I'm very comfortable in this spot. No, I just sat in that chair. That would yes. have been a completely different it would be. spin on life. But no, thank you, mate. You know, it's, uh, as you said, it's, you've been on my show, but I, you know, the, the, the novelty of me flying to Montana is, is soon to come. So <laughs> we'll put that part two. We will. We will. Cause we still got to do part two for yours because we <laughs> went, <laughs> I know we did. We went there. We yeah. went there. So, um, you know, for a lot of my listeners, I actually talked about our show quite a bit, uh, referenced it and shared it. So they might know, but, 
Um, I think for anybody, like just to kind of give context, I don't even know how to give accolades for kind of what you've achieved, right? You've been in this game for so long Mm -hmm. and you've done so many incredible things. But like what I would love to hear from you is like looking back, you know, you have the Olympia titles, you have everything. Like how would you describe kind of how you got here? Holy shit. Yeah. That's that's the description, I guess. You know, um, how did I get you? Well, there's a lot of people that have played massive roles in my life. Um, I, I want to make that clear right yeah. now. Um, obviously, my parents being, you know, the contributor to the yep. to this machine that, that went on, yeah. you know, to do many different things. But I think my humble beginnings most certainly have, have aided this process. Um, seeing what my mom and dad done for us kids, seeing, you know, what my dad uh, done in work. You know, we do literally a, a 12-hour shift and uh, go back in for another 12 hours just so us kids could go on a, a school trip mm-hmm. or get uniform. And all these things now, as I'm 39 years old and have two kids of my own, you truly value and, and understand the sacrifice that uh, my parents mm-hmm. done for us brothers. Um, so knowing, you know, subconsciously and consciously growing up, uh, I knew that that wasn't a lifestyle for me. Seeing my pop, my parents struggle, every penny was counted for, you know, every, uh, every dime, no pun intended, was saved, scrounged together, and it was used for something. Yep. Um, and that humble up, upbringing truly has projected me onto, you know, so many different paths um, and got me through some dark times. Yeah. You know, my my drive to grow uh, business or um, growing wealth, growing X, Y, Z, um, has been a massive, has been all contributed through, like I said, my parents and, and the upbringing I had. So when I came to the United States, first of all, um, and I'm leaving obviously out, Big yeah. stories, yeah, but yeah, yeah. generally, you know, there's many times that I could have come back home. My 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 mum and dad um, welcomed me, but you know, in with both hands every time I I spoke to them. I only give them the advice. Uh, sorry, I only give them the news of what was happening, what wasn't happening, mm-hmm. and it could be in a, a catastrophe a week. There might have been, you know, m- money issues, whatever it was. I was sleeping on a sofa. Not that my parents knew that at the time, yep. but every time I spoke to my mom, everything is great. I had a photo shoot today, and when I say photo shoot, probably somebody took me on yep. the on the <laughs> roll up, you know, one of them disposable cameras, wait for print. We were pre-smartphone back then. Yeah, pre-smartphone. Uh, what a life! I know. Um, but again, them days of not giving up. Now that I look back, um, were definitely more more of the conversations every time you know i had i'm I'm gonna start picking this apart in it because the the amount of things there but like even at that age like when you came here yeah not achieving like you're not at the top you're just from humble beginnings but you're driven internally and you're you're calling your mother when you're literally in the shit yeah and holding that front but like there there's this belief underneath that like where did that belief come from or what did that feel like or were you just so driven and clear you're like i'm gonna do whatever it takes i think uh (laughs) i've had this conversation many times with many different people yeah um 
I think looking back, and I can say this now from the chair that I'm sitting in, what a ballsy, gutsy kid. It's not me now. Yeah. yeah. People can say, oh, what a cocky guy for saying that. But it's, it was a completely different person. Yep. This was a 19-year-old kid who had this this passion, this drive to be, uh, to to potentially become uh, good in a sport that was dominated by Ronnie Coleman. Yeah. Now, for every, every one of the viewers who have not seen Ronnie Coleman, he's greatest of all time. You know, you're talking about somebody who is lean and winning shows at 290 pounds. And here's this kid who's, you know, 180 pounds soaking wet, uh, saying he's going to be standing next to these guys and holding his own in the mindset of, that monster, um, it was a delusional and achievable goal. Yep. And I say that, you know, with a little bit of laughter, but it truly was because I wouldn't be where I am right now if I didn't have that mindset. Mm -hmm. It was tenacious. It was, you know, turning up every single day, proving myself. And also there's other contributing things that happened back then. My nickname, Flex. There was a bodybuilder. Unknown to me at the time, called Flex Wheeler, yep. also known as one of the greatest bodybuilders of all time. Yep. His nickname and me getting into the sport was very shunned upon. Oh, we've already got a Flex. Well, what do I do? Change my name? <laughs> so I, I was fighting that battle <laughs> simultaneously, as well as you know being around uh, you know the gym around all these monsters in Fullerton, California. So what I done, George, um, and for the viewers listening, I knew one person. And that one person was one of the older owners of Gold's Gym. Yep. He sold Gold's Gym, but he invited me over to Santa Monica, California. This gentleman um, changed the sport just along with Joey. What he'd done was find diamonds in the rough, find athletes who were uh, winning shows or had the potential to, brought them to Santa Monica, California, and literally housed them. Mm. in this house there was no bells and whistles to this this guy was a multi-millionaire very successful and uh you know you it doesn't smell of shadiness either for everybody who's kind of like oh that sounds a little fucking weird <laughs> but he truly was yeah he truly was um a unique unicorn in this in this world where he would find athletes for bodybuilding and also find wrestlers for WWE. Yeah. So he had a relationship with Vince McMahon and Shea McMahon, um, kind of a scout in a way, right? Yeah. But he didn't have to do it. This was all free and love. So he had brought many people over. In fact, his first guest was Sting and Ultimate Warrior, two idols that I followed when I was a kid. Um, and I was put in this house along with other professional athletes, um, professional bodybuilders, and I was told... The gym is X amount of miles away. You can take the bike or you can walk. And he lived on the boardwalk to, to Santa Monica. So I would walk every day. I mean, you damn well know it's... Uh, I, I <laughs> People watching is one of my favorite things in Santa oh, Monica. The best. Venice Beach yes. has got some of the best, you know, people watching... Live comedy show. Live. And... Um, Back then, there was it wasn't as crazy as what it is right now. Of course, of course, the the flood I would, gets I wouldn't, I wouldn't walk there now. No, it was safe. You yeah, know? it was, it was safe. kind of like a safe, you know, bag of nuts. But um, I would get to Gold's Gym, and every single day I would train around the greatest. I'd see who was there. You know, everything from Jean Claude Van Damme, Arnold, Sylvester Stallone, and the movie side of things to wrestling heroes of mine of old, to then the bodybuilding guys. Yeah, and it was my first chance to really gauge these guys. In the flesh, not a magazine. So truly, I was walking into a magazine every single day. And uh, 
as the years went on, Gold's Gym slowly started regressing with the quality of athletes that were there because with the internet, you didn't have to be in Gold's Gym. Yep. You didn't have to be where all the photographers are. So then I started hearing rumors and whispers about this gym in Fullerton, California. So, you know, at that point in time, I was staying with a friend in Santa Monica. I packed my bags and I was like, I've got to find this gym. So knowing nothing about traffic in LA, I jumped on the four or five at, at one o'clock in the afternoon and there I was until six. Um, I finally get to this gym and um, truly that was like a magazine. And that mm. gym become, uh, was uh, Milos Sachev's um, uh, Fullerton gym uh, called Coliseum Gym. Mm. So walking into that place, it was a photo shoot every single day. I truly got to see the best of the best and I knew I had to be there. So, um, from driving from Santa Monica up and f back and forth from Fullerton, I knew the best times to go, even though it was like a round trip of three hours. Yep. Um, I got friendly with a younger guy in the gym and, and he literally said, when you just move up and he was living on student, you know, the, the geographical area of, of, of him being a, a student and also head of housing. Okay. I found a loophole. Yep. Um, and he offered me a sofa, a sticky old hand-me-down sofa. Uh, that was kind of in leather in some places, fake leather, and then worn away in others. You know that kind? It's <laughs> yeah. like that shit will rip you apart when you yeah. sit in it. I slept on that. Okay. Um, no money for AC, and I slept on that sofa for a year and a half, turned up at the gym twice a day. And in that in them, that year and a half and turning up twice a day, I earned the respect of these athletes who are now my friends to call me Flex. A lot of these guys came from the generation of Flex Wheeler and refused to call me Flex. Yeah. So what I done was I would win you over mm -hmm. by sweat equity, by putting my hat back to the front and training alongside you. I will earn that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I done. Um, and as the time went on, you know, as I uh, picking up in the story about calling my mum, there was no bullying or anything of that nature, but there was a certain stereotype placed upon me because of the nickname. Mm -hmm. And over time, you know, I was fighting this along with fighting the element of going back home. And I was like, no, this this is this is the journey I've picked. Mm -hmm. And um, money was tight. You know, every time I went home, I was literally home for maybe a month. I'd save up, come back over with whatever, a couple hundred dollars, whatever it was. And I made that last dollar truly stretched. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, going full circle now, George, I sit in the seat I'm, I'm sitting in and, and blessed to have, you know, a, a gym and, and, and many different uh, elements that that have been acquired through leveling up in life. But I also have never forgotten what it's like to wake up in the morning, look at a bank account and realize there's nothing in there. Yeah. Look at my wallet and realize, shit, this is what I got to survive on. Yeah. A, a can of tuna had to be divided into many different meals. And, you know, right now that's one meal. So I, I remember that like very vividly. Um, I also know what it took for me to go through that to get on that first peg. Um, and it's somewhat of a fear of mine in life to go back to them humble days, even though there's so many firewalls that have been placed yep. along the way. Yep. There's still that... I've not allowed myself to feel like... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like shit can hit the fan. Oh yeah, yeah. But I'm st uh, so. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, because of that, I I'm still on the gas. Mm -hmm. I'm still like trying to open new op 
opportunities, create new ventures. I like this though. I like yeah. the feeling of being like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also know like there's times when I wake up and I'm like, oh shit, I could lose it all. Mm-hmm. You know? No, I, well, I think it's healthy. I think you have to have a relationship with it, right? especially given the state of the world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's you, true. you don't really know. I, you know, I think. I think all too often. Well, and and this ties into so much of what you said. Real quick, though, before I I I say that, in that time period when you were like sleeping on that sofa and in that house in Santa Monica, like how long was that period of you like earning that sweat equity until it like got to what would you would say like sustainable to where like you were supported in doing it? I'll tell you a story, um, R.I.P. Now, but. Um Tom Prince, remember Tom yep. Prince? He was known for his yep. incredible leg development, yep. yes. stupid hamstrings. Yes. So he was one of them guys that I, I kind of had like, wow, legs, right? There, there's certain guys I looked at and I was like, man, I, I wish I had X. But then he was a bodybuilder that was connected to that body part, right? Tom yep. Prince was hamstrings. Yep. He had these unbelievable sagging hamstrings from the side. I got to meet Tom and he refused to call me Flex. Mm. refused he'd call me James I hate being called James it's like my, my wife and my mum and a few other people can call me James um, but even when I'm going through TSA it's Stephen because of my name on my passport is Stephen James Lewis yep. just for the other fans and viewers listening to this but uh, when I was uh, I would be called James I was like oh my god and I, I was like you know when somebody d- has kept on doing something and you don't uh-huh. like, and it's like, oh my, I'm going to bite my tongue because this is Tom Prince. And in the end, I was like, bro, I don't like being called James. And he goes, the day you win your pro card, the day you win your pro show, I call you Flex. Okay? So I won my pro card. And the one thing that was missing was being called Flex. And um, I just remember not seeing Tom for maybe... Uh, Probably a couple of months at this point in time. Mm-hmm. I went back to Santa Monica Golds. I got my pro card. Mm-hmm. I walk into the firehouse because I used to have dinner with Bob Chick, uh, Tom Prince, and then my friend Scott uh, at least twice, three times a week. Yep. So I'd see these guys all the time. Yep. You know, uh, it was either in the gym or it was in the firehouse when we'd eat them. But the majority of the time was in the firehouse. And uh, I got to know these guys on a personal level, right? Um, and Tom was going through his health issues. And we talk and we talk and we talk and he was more into the business element now of the sport, which I loved listening to. And uh, as I said, I returned back to Santa Monica. I walk into the firehouse and I just, I just hear, see this guy and I hear this guy. I walk in further. It's like Tom Prince's. He's like Flex. Hey Flex, come over here. I'm like yes. <laughs> Not a word was mentioned. Nope. Nobody said I told you. Nobody said. You know, whatever it could be, right? Yeah. And nor, nor did I say thanks, Tom, mm-hmm. but it was like an understanding. And I sat at the dinner table and I kind of looked at him, and I was like, "Yes," because everything then become the overuse of flex. Yes. Hey, flex. How's your? You know what I mean? So, um, obviously, you know that for, was for me a, um, a, a very memorable occasion because that guy truly said, "I'm not calling you flex until X." Yep. I achieved that, and he was a man of his word. So, there was only one or two people that I. I really wanted to kind of like win over. He was one of them for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, I soon realized that if people are talking about you, you're doing something right. Yeah. It took me a while. Yeah. But somebody, and I can't give the credit to that person because I can't remember who, but somebody asked me the question of who's the champion right now? 
because I was complaining about being shit talked. Forums are rife. People would talk yeah. all kinds of mess on forums. And I said, Ronnie Coleman, I go, who gets the most shit talked about him online? I was like, Ronnie Coleman. There we are. Then. He says, shut the fuck up. Who are you? You're not even on one peg. Yeah. And they're this, the greatest of all time. Yeah. And they're talking about X, Y, Z about him. So get used to it, kid. And I was like, wow. And I don't know what it was, but that conversation hit home. Um, and as the years have has gone by, you know, you kind of develop thicker skin. Yeah. Um, you know, c- certain things you still, you know, certain conversations you still look at and, you know, I have to reply back to some assholes. No offense. <laughs> yeah. You, you ain't slipping past that comment. Yeah. No, no, um, no. But, but the, for the most part, you know, if somebody's talking to you or talking shit about you, mm-hmm. then you're on their radar enough to upset them, to go out of their way, to waste a minute, two minutes on writing out this post of how shit the human being you are or how your name is, he fucking sucks. Yeah. Or I'm like, man, is it is that what your life is worth? And then you realize, yes. Yeah. That's what you're up to right now in your life. And these are the people, unfortunately, you know, that are out there. But, um, yeah, I don't even know if I answered your question. I went well, way you, off the fucking point. No, well, no and I, well, actually, it makes a valid point and it leads to a, a, a really important question because I feel like even in you sharing that, you heard that pretty early on. Yeah. Because the world that you excelled in is a world that is built on criticism. And if you take it personally, you lose. And so hearing that early <laughs> makes sense because, you know, we talk about this a lot. And when we when we did your show on like, the the further you get along in your path, the the harder and further the inches are to gain, right? And like those times that like you didn't win or didn't get the podium or didn't get blank, especially even in the early on days, like you have to be able to look at that and be like, where do I go back to work? Where do I mm-hmm. go fix those things? And you had that from a very early on stage. But like when you think about you know, cause like you excelled on so many levels, like you, 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 with the mindset and I'm sure everybody listening to this can hear this, right. It sounds like very rooted in like why it matters to you, right? Like you come from family humbly beginning. So like your why is there and then that internally motivates you and then you'll use some external stuff for force and fuel. But like the things that you achieved took so much time, mm-hmm. right. And you've remained consistent over time. Like to, to a degree that is, is admirable because it's something that like I strive to be able to do. How did you remain so consistent? Like what, what are the things that allowed you to either stay focused like that or to remain that, or even after getting your pro card or getting your first Olympia and literally like the floodgates open on the internet, right? And no matter how thick of skin you have, when there's yeah. millions of people going and you're like, okay, <laughs> let's get back to work, right? And I know it's so simple to chunk it down, but like you talk about it, like it's easy for most people. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, because most people are the seven time 212 <laughs> Mr. Olympia and all the other ones I'm missing, right? So like, what do you attribute to that? Or where do you think mindset played a part of that? Or where did you focus the most to be able to remain that consistent over such a long period of time? Um, good question. Um, I don't think I've really put much reflection into that. I, obviously, we've talked about mindset as kind of a, a trending thing on my podcast. I'm, I'm very intrigued with the the element of what made you great, like what sparked something to put you into this trajectory. For me, 
live anywhere, if I take myself right back, I always wanted to be the best at everything I ever done. Mm-hmm. There, there was never a time where I was like, ah, oh, let me try this. I never had that mentality. Yep. Uh, and I'm not trying to now say this like because it's, you know, two decades, three decades later, it truly was the mindset I had. Like, I wanted to learn enough about something so that I could be the best at that. I didn't want to learn about something and then participate in it. I wanted to be the best rugby player. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be uh, the fastest uh, sprinter. I wanted to be, you know, the best gymnast. It was so many boxes ticked. I've also put myself into many different scenarios of old, but there was no option. I, I truly I came here, mm-hmm. even though I had a return because legally yeah. you have to have a return, <laughs> but in my head, yeah. this was all or nothing. Yeah. It was like you are going in and you are going to win. You, you are going to fall on your, on your, on your sword if you, do, if you don't. But I, again, I think with, with everything I, I, I've done and I've achieved, um, I've always created a why. There's always a driving force. Yep. And that why then as the years got, you know, on and I started to, you know, well, just to say the the first title, every one of them titles have a, has a why. Yep. Um, there's also a lot of things that changed in that process. I came to this country as a one-man band. Mm-hmm. Over the years, you know, I've been in different relationships and stuff like that, but... Until I met my wife, I kind of, that solidified a lot of different things, like her strengths and all mine and mine and all hers. She came into, you know, this relationship, seeing me in, um, at a very early growth stage, but on a trajectory to, mm-hmm. to something. I made it known that, listen, this relationship, I have to focus on this is my one shot. I'm in this very critical stage where I have the support. I have the backing of big sponsors. I also have um, an opportunity to be the first ever 212 champ. And this was a class that was, wasn't created when Ronnie Coleman was around. So for the viewers that are watching this, you know, they created this kind of like a light, lighter weight that was to the open weight. Mm-hmm. And that lighter weight was capped at 212 pounds. At that time, I was coming out from the created two or two, which is one season, or two seasons actually, to this now, this is the future, and 212 is going to be the category cap. And uh, I was on the lighter side of things. So my mindset was to be the first ever 212 class champion, Mr. Olympia champion, and defend that. So... Um, to answer your question, in, in now <laughs> going all over the place, but the mindset I had from the young age, certainly, and the drive I had certainly was there. I still see recognizable attributes in the younger version of myself, mm-hmm. but now it's more of a streamlined version. Yeah, there, there's details attached to the why. Yeah, there's now things that have gone on. The older I am, um, when I've truly invested in me. Before it was like I'm I'm doing me on a budget. Yeah. 
I made money, I invested into me. Yep. Instead of seeing guys who have who made some money, they'd invest in fucking 22-inch rims on their car. I was like, and that's the note I'm not going. Yeah. I'm going to put it into into me and invest into me, whether that was creating a website, which was creating a brand, which was, you know, I had the brand, excuse me. I say emphasis on the brand. Yeah, I, I think, well, in hearing you, because as much as you think you're all over the place, you're not. The one thing that you called out and and you talked about is that like under every single thing that you get clear on, you have a why. Yes. And like that's one thing that like as somebody who loves you dearly, like I see it, right? Because I watch you from the outside. You also won't dive into something unless you are clear, which means that you've thought enough to have that why because you'll have an idea and it will excite you, but then you'll sit with it and you'll sit with it. And then you, <laughs> until, until it either sparks that like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah. And I think I watch it through the filter of like, is this really going to excite me? Is this something I'm passionate about? And so from the outside, looking at it as your friend, it's really easy to see because you align yourself to only things that you're passionate about because you have a why underneath them. And so then when it gets hard, or when the resistance comes, it was never about the result. It was only about the why. Mm. And so immediately you're like, well, get that thing out of the way. Get that <laughs> thing out of the way. That's the first thing I heard. And then the second thing, and I, I, you've been saying this throughout the entire episode so far, and you echo this, and I see this in your life, is that not once have you ever thought about or assumed you could or would do this alone. Because at every single point... yeah. When you have the goal and you have the why, you also have one critical person or a few near you that are either intrinsically motivating you, supporting you, seeing you, or challenging you at every single point for accountability. I think, you know why, George? There's so many people that would allow me to accept my demise before I even begin. They would, uh, they would quite easily cheer me on and say, Eh, it wasn't meant to be. Yes. Or, you know, it, it, they would say something like, well, you're from Wales, you know, that's an American sport. Whatever that would be, but I linked into people of positivity that give me harsh reality. So Neil Hill is my coach for 19 years, 20 years this year. Wow. And him and I have this great relationship where now it's different. We have a very, we have a great relationship right now. But it's also, now that I'm retired, our relationship was split into two. It was Neil Hill coach and then Neil Hill coach friend. Yep. And that's a difficult thing for a lot of people. Like a lot of his athletes, you know, <coughs> excuse you. Yeah, thank you. A lot of people that have worked with Neil get the coach friend. And then when they transition into coach Hill, they, they have a hard time. Like I would say the first couple of days of me working with Neil, whatever show would be, pick your poison up there. <laughs> it would always be a few days of getting used to it. And even though I knew, like I've been yeah. working with Neil, like just so the fans and the viewers that are watching this, I've worked with Neil since I was 19 years old. And we went through the entire amateur circuit undefeated. We won the Mr. Wales, Mr. Britain, Mr. Universe, Mr. Europe. And then we came to the U.S. and they were like, have you missed, won the Mr. USA or the Nationals? Nope. Okay, kid. Good luck. You can't, you can't compete in the USA or the Nationals. So I came here with this international global uh, 
sheet of of uh, accolades that meant nothing, nothing to the U.S. Because unless you won and achieved the USA or the nationals in in the sport of bodybuilding in the U.S., they don't know. They don't care. Welcome to the club, kid. Get back on stage and earn your stripes. And that's where we were. So, um, going back to what Neil would do, Neil would treat me like that nineteen-year-old kid every prep. Yep. So, fast forward fifteen years later, and he is talking to me like, I mean, I've got staff, I've got kids now, you know, I got a wife, and there this guy's telling me, "Where's my fucking photos? It's seven o'clock in the morning. I told you." And I'm like, this is the only guy you're allowed to talk to me. Like this. Just, <laughs> and there'd be the many times where I was like, look at this, babe. Like, I, I can't deal with this. And and then I had to realize, you know, Ali's my biggest supporter. She's uh-huh. also will tell me two straight. She's like, he doesn't mean it like that. Oh, yeah? Exclamation marks. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? And I'm finding ways to, you know, to, to get into it. And she's like neutral ground. But you know what, though, George? I, what I, which I knew, I realized this, even though I was trying to fight it, but it was only for that like one week. I've got a coach, yep. not a cheerleader. Yep. And that's one of the reasons why I've been able to win what I won, because this guy keeps me accountable to the, to the direction and the focus and the future of what do I want to achieve. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we came to this country and started from scratch. We had this incredible thirst to become champions in a sport that we're told you're never going to do you know this is coming from our first show so we've had this this overarching you know stamp put on us of you're never going to achieve it so we were like well we've been told this all the way through from the very first show to the last show we're stepping on stage you're never going to do it so it's like just just keep this fucking show running um, we have a very interesting dynamic, and again, I have a, have a real coach, but one thing I have to say about Neil is the guy's an incredible professional. The attention to detail he gives all his athletes is, is second to none. He truly is a unicorn of coaches, and this is, this is a, for the fans, if I've mentioned Neil, this, is, this guy's called Neil Hill. They call him Yoda. Um, and he trains myself along with many different athletes as well, along with big CEOs for mm-hmm. cl- companies like Deloitte, all the way to guys in the WWE li- like Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. So he got a, a diverse palette of athletes, but it all started with me and him. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, he was like, it's okay, find another coach. It's okay, you've got to find an American coach. I was like, hell no, what's wrong with you? The grass isn't greener. We want everything. And I always, from show one, came in shredded. So if it ain't broken, why try and fix it? And um, I think that's the, that, that's kind of one of my, um, I guess when I see other people, there's no fucking loyalty. That, well, so then, number three and four <laughs> underneath why you're successful. Number one is a why. Number two is community. Um, number three is a coach not an enabler and then number four is the simplicity of the basics and never getting away from them yeah that's true that if i showed you my early diets uh-huh. it's it's of course it's it's evolved in size of in totally. terms of in in terms of protein sizes and stuff i mean we're talking about my 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 olympia diets but you would recognize that that was designed 
by somebody similar. If not, you've you've taken that diet and made it into your in, into your own. You know what I mean? You've yeah. looked at this diet on the internet and gone, okay, I'm going to make Neil Hill's diet. Yep. Listen, it, it's it's kiss, right? Yep. Keep it simple, stupid. Yep. These people are trying to reinvent the wheel of getting in shape. It boils down to your commitment to the task, making a plan, a plan to fail, right? There's 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 so many variables that that go into this. There's uh, the attention to the detail that's put in is making a uh, a plan for a plan after. It's um, it's basically everything in business that I've learned from bodybuilding. Yes, you want to achieve this number in your bank account. Oh shit! Use the steps for that. You want to achieve this house. You want to get the uh, be a, a better ex. You will set out the plan and then you work backwards. So for us right now. One of the reasons why you've been able to scale these businesses and do what I've done in transition from competing is using the same mindset that I use from a very young age now into a, into all these new endeavors. Yep. You know, you can't preach about things not happening when you're not making anything happen. Mm-hmm. So I've seen people time and time again look over, you know, well, figuratively be like, Oh, that must be nice. Oh, um, uh, well, if I got paid that, I'd fucking, oh, look at him now with this big fancy house. It's like, all of you can achieve this. The difference is your mindset is easily diverted to the lack of there and not finding a way how to. Or, again, you could now see that and be like, man, I know that guy. I know, I, I know that guy. If he can do it, mm-hmm. I can do it. Now, how can I do that? Now, listen, if we're talking about standing on stage as a bodybuilder uh, and 212 pounds ripped to shreds, that, that's a different kind of animal. But when it comes to being a better ex, let's just say you want to be a better dad, right? And everybody can be a better dad. I don't care if you're the greatest dad in this world. Yep. There's, there's things that you need to become consistent to and and. These are the things, and these are the the, 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 the verbiages that I've learned from bodybuilding is consistency, dedication, having an end cap goal, having a start date, all these things p- 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 play the part. And that's, again, coming from a kid who was dyslexic in school, was pushed to the sh- side. I was told by my teachers that I'd never become anything. I was either find myself in jail or in the military. What a great fucking thing to tell somebody that's 15 years old. Yep, I remember. You are going to either find yourself in jail yep. or go to the military. I'm thinking to myself, what's wrong with the military? <laughs> I'm a military boy. I, I was going in the military anyway. I was thinking, why are you, why are you yeah, talking like this? Yeah, it's a like bad this? thing. Yeah, like, yeah. so and some of the greatest people I know have, have served, including yourself. Thank you. But this teacher literally told me in a class full of people that, um, and this is not just a one-off occasion, because you remember this as a kid, mm-hmm. that I was never much out too much. And I remember now going back to school after winning my three Young Business of the Year awards and having an award of Prince Charles that uh, I went to the same class. And she was like, oh my gosh, it's so great to see you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so, I knew you would do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I stood in front of the class and I said, hey, um, I got you two in the front. Yeah, you, you sit in here for a reason. Are you the are you the naughty guys? Every guys in the class, these two are the naughty guys, or is it, is it all three of you, or whatever it was? And they're like, kind of like, yeah, these are the guys. I said, you guys, have you been told that you suck at life and you're not going to achieve anything? This teacher told me the same thing. Yes. And look where I'm at. Don't believe this old cow. Yes. <laughs> 
I said a little bit more PG than that. I know you non PG. I'm sorry, but um, <sighs> but I think I think with with that said, and I'm kind of going all over the place, but no, you're good. When you have um, a very humble upbringing, and if there's something that's relatable to a lot of people, and you get told things like that, that 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 sits with you. It does. So when we're talking about me not going back, and me going on to achieve things, all these little things I've collectively put together and I put it in what I call Pandora's box. Yep. And every time I'm going through a rough occasion or I'm in the gym and I've got a big leg day, yep. I'm talking of old, um, I would unlock Pandora's box and I would start thinking, I would take out, okay, what, what's going to really get me through this workout because there's times, you know, I'm running on 60 grams of carbs. Yeah. I've got this hellish leg day that's to come and I'm dragging ass literally driving to the gym like yeah. a nodding dog. You know that feeling. I do. I'm sure many of the viewers know that feeling yeah. too that are watching this. Um, so there's a lot of psychological warfare that took place. Yeah. And it's the same psychological warfare I had that kept me in the US but in a different context. It wasn't it wasn't the Pandora's box of, you know, um, taking these things out and getting through a leg day. It was remembering the days of seeing my mum struggle to go up the stairs. It was remembering that my mum and dad had one car and that got, and that got stolen twice. That my dad had to walk to work in the rain for weeks. It's remembering all these little things that had nothing to do with bodybuilding but had everything to do with me taking my parents out of that living circumstances, along with my brothers, mm -hmm. along with everybody that I could help. I know, obviously, it's gone full circle. I just had my mom and dad here yep. a couple a of days ago. ago. Yep. Um, you know, I was very blessed to now fly them first class on Virgin over here and treat them the way they should be treated. Um, but they don't live. They don't live like that. They no. they don't want to live like that. They're nope. so humble in their ways, and I'm trying so many ways. It's like, can, how can I get you to move your mom and dad? And my wife is the same too. She loves them to death, and uh, she they're just very, very complacent. They love their life. They live in Wales, and listen, I love my country. Don't get me wrong, but they're just they have no aspirations to to move here. And I keep on telling them, it's like, listen, you're gonna have a better life, a better health. I can look after it all for you. I'm in the position to look after it. No, it's okay. No, yeah. it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I was like, no, it's not okay. And then I tried guilting them with the with the grandkids then. Yep. Like, these, these kids are getting so old. You're missing out on this. Yeah, you just fly us back out and we'll come out again. It's like, you fucking just want whole, You just want vacations. Anyways. That's right. Their cake and eat it too, right? That's yeah. That's... Well, so I think too, I was going to ask you earlier this, but um, even, even in thinking about it, like you go back to Pandora's box, but like underneath it, what I think is powerful is that you have a relationship with all of the resistance. You don't pretend it's not there. Mm. Right. I think that's another thing that like I, I, I love and respect about you. That's inspiring. It's a, it's a very deep reminder for me and fitting that the gym is called the dragon's lair and the, your podcast called straight out of the lair. But it's like, if something breaks in your life, if something is not working, if you didn't win, if you're getting punched in the face, if you're out of money, you don't put the blinders on and be like, Oh, it's going to go away. You kind of rip them off and you're like, okay, this is kind of everything. And that gets you clarity. 
to what's there. And I just like, the more you speak, like the more I hear it. And I've just recorded like six podcasts in the last month about oh every gosh. one of these topics yeah. from environmental design to having a relationship, a book that ties back there, helping us read on the wedge. But with that though, <clears throat> one of the things that I think is so powerful is that you talk about loyalty. And so I'm going to ask you another question after this, but I want to hear from you like how do you define loyalty? How do you feel about loyalty in the lens of this this world and business? Because it is something that is like the undertone of everything that you do. Skrrr. Break check. Let me take a moment to interrupt myself. I don't run ads on my own podcast, but sometimes I forget that I can tell you about things on my own show. So I'm interrupting for a very important announcement, which is the Lighthouse Business Accelerator. Because it is event time. And as a fellow entrepreneur and business owner, you know how important it is to attend live events, especially ours, with the world's most intense Rock, Paper, Scissors Championship with the best prizes. But that's why I'm thrilled to invite you to our event that will transform your business and catapult your personal growth as a leader in the industry. And if you do not believe me, I swear to God, just go to mindofgeorge.com slash event. I will not tell you. The people on the page will tell you. Their videos will tell you. But the event is getting ready to happen November 16th through 19th in Whitefish, Montana, my beautiful home at the Grouse Mountain Lodge. We have a new event location. So down and dirty. It is a three-day event with an optional four, and everybody takes the fourth. They're just limited spots, but you'll find out more about those. Who's going to be speaking? Luckily for you, the best. My dear friend, Mo Ismail, and my, myself will be co-curating. He'll be speaking, and he is literally the best in the world at short-form content. It is mind-blowing. When he speaks, everybody writes notes and listens. My dear friend, John Wellborn, who is just a wealth of walking wisdom and knowledge. He was a NFL player for 10 years. He studied stoicism. He has degrees in rhetoric and from all these different places. And I learned so much. And then I have a special surprise up my sleeve, but I'll keep that with you there. So at our event, it's all about community. It's all about relationships. And our goal isn't just for you to walk away with clarity, which you will, mastery and understanding of customer journey, which you will, but also feeling recharged and on fire, ready to go into the world, knowing you have community and support. And so whether you're just starting out, totally fine. We have about half the room of that. Running a seven-figure business, totally fine. We have you. Eight-figure business, we got you. And we have had billionaires in the room. And we focus on principles and communities. And everybody learns from each other. Everybody benefits from each other. And everybody wins. And so I can't wait for you to be one of the 75 entrepreneurs in the room in that next experience with your bucket full. So I'm going to let you get back to the content but I'm going to tell you, I cannot wait to hug you and high five you in Montana. So come be ready to be with 75 entrepreneurs that are all hungry for growth and networking and supporting. And of course, the world's most competitive rock, paper, scissors championship. So I'm going to let you get back to the content. But irregardless, right now, it's time to go to mindofgeorge.com slash event. Check it out. And we will see you November 16th through 19th in Whitefish, Montana. Well, so I think too, I was going to ask you earlier this, but um, even, even in thinking about it, like you go back to Pandora's box, but like underneath it, what I think is powerful is that you have a relationship with all of the resistance. You don't pretend it's not there. Mm. Right. I think that's another thing that like I, I, I love and respect about you. That's inspiring. It's a, it's a very deep reminder for me 
and fitting that the gym is called the dragon's lair and the, your podcast is called straight out of the lair. But it's like, if something breaks in your life, if something is not working, if you didn't win, if you're getting punched in the face, if you're out of money, you don't put the blinders on and be like, Oh, it's going to go away. You kind of rip them off and you're like, okay, this is kind of everything. And that gets you clarity to what's there. And I just like, the more you speak, like the more I hear it. And I've just recorded like six podcasts in the last month about every one of these topics Yeah, from environmental design to having a relationship, a book that ties back there, helping us read on the wedge. But with that though, one of the things that I think is so powerful is that you talk about loyalty. And so I'm going to ask you another question after this, but I want to hear from you like how do you define loyalty? How do you feel about loyalty in the lens of this this world and business? Because it is something that is like the undertone of everything that you do. Yeah. Um, loyalty comes with uh, time. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, I'm, I'm a loyal friend and this and that. And like you being around for five minutes, you know, loyalty is something that is repetitively... I'm trying to think of the right words here because it's a very important moral that a lot of people have kind of forgotten about. There's more, you know, again, I guess a cultural thing for me. I, I'm brought up differently and I'm very disappointed. And I guess I'm very disappointed in a lot of different people by their lack thereof. Um, people want to say that they possess certain moral integrities and uh, they they just don't. When it comes down to it, if they have the ability to fuck you over for a dollar, they will. And um, But then they want to make it seem like, well, you would do the same thing too. It's like, no, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. The amount of money that I've turned down, and I shouldn't have, yep. because I was loyal to somebody that wasn't loyal to me or a, or a, or a business or whatever it was, um, I would have had more zeros in my bank account. But I done it my way. I didn't, you know, I done what I truly be- believed that was um, moral and also as as at or at that time, my relationship to these particular people were regarded as true friendships. You know, again, there's, there's guys who have had opportunities to be on the other side and they've taken the money or they've taken the opportunity or they've, you know, oh, it's flax, he'll, he'll get over it. It's like, no. Nope. Once you cross that line with me, it's no coming back, unfortunately. And it's it's known, you know, with, especially within my circles. But to get me to go there is is hard. Yep. I'll fight it, I'll fight it, I'll fight it. And I'll have other people around me telling me certain things. And I'm kind of like, nah, let me, let me make sure, let me make this decision. But once it's done, mm-hmm. it's done. It's kind of, um, it's like that with many different things. So how I define loyalty is... Somebody that just fucking, it's just somebody that's a good person, mm-hmm. checking in. Mm-hmm. Somebody that's loyal as um, as a friend who turns up for, for X, somebody who checks in. Um, but then there's this there's, there's loyalty card that, um, I don't know. I, you, you can, I've kind of talked myself into this. Loyalty, I guess, is so given to me. That when I'm trying to ask for it back, or what what I would describe, if you said to me, you know, Flex, how can I be a loyal person to you? Just be a good fucking friend, I guess I would yeah. say. Just, if there's opportunities there, 
that will put us in a bind, let's talk about it. Yeah. Because I want to see the best version of you. Yep. But if you do something and then I find out about it and you try to hide it, yep. that makes you disloyal. Yep. So there's so many circumstances, especially in this fitness industry, right? It's 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 driven on hormones. It is. You know? And a lot of testosterone and fucking <laughs> and, and egos. And a lot of added to the yes. outside mix, right? Yes. It's fueled. Fueled, all different angles. So if you can persevere and navigate through this treacherous fucking water mm-hmm. and you're still loyal, then we're good to go. And the reason I asked is because, like, this is kind of like a fourth wall for me, right? So for, for all of my people listening, obviously it's my show. Um on like my to, show. Yeah, on your show, the inception of this one. Um, but in my next version, I want Tyus to have a mic. I yes. need Tyus to have a mic. Tyus, Tyus, Tyus. Because I'm going to open this loop now because everybody needs to ask about Tyus. In the laser, comment section. Laser hair removal in the comment section. Oh, my God. Don't, don't. That's my story. This is my podcast. Yeah, but he's going to tell it on your show. Okay, good. I'm just seeing it now. So now my entire audience is going to want Tyus to Tyus, have a microphone that. on your show. Hit, hit the button. Hit the button. <laughs> Give me the fucking horn button. Give it. Oh, it's not even playing. We, we, oh, we, the, you were the, it was your moment to shine with the horns. Yeah, with the horns. And we hit the horns and it, we have a sewing machine we never use. I know, I know. So, so the reason I say that though is like with this fourth wall. So for those here, I'm here doing, helping flex the business and we're doing yeah. some stuff. But I see it on all the sides, right? And this whole conversation has kind of been around whether we realize it or not, like what's kind of made you successful. Mm. And if you listen to it, it's actually all the principles, not the workouts, not the reps, but like the real things that kept you going. And the one that I see the most of is that in this piece of your journey where these people like invested in you, I've also seen an exact serendipitous journey where in that moment, as soon as you learn something, you grabbed somebody near you and invested the same thing in them. And so, like, I get the gift of being here in your office and in your world, and I also get the gift of knowing you in the outside world and outside of here. And the things that you're talking about in loyalty, I watch you do to everybody. And so, for me, looking out, one of the reasons that everybody is successful around here is that everybody feels safe. Mm -hmm. Like, everybody feels like Flex has my back. Like, I know all the staff members. I watch you on the cameras. I watch all the people that come into the gym. So like these things that you're talking about that people gave to you, you've given back to everybody who's been around you to support you Mm. as they've held you accountable as your coach, but you breathe into them. And so in these times where like it's harder, it's dark, there's this entire safety net around you that you've also created by doing it to them. And so like for me, like for everybody, we're in Flex's office right now and behind me, there's a wall of cameras. Now, these cameras are every single angle in the gym, but, like, I watch Flex in here, and Flex will literally stare at the monitors and look at people. Oh, I need to go see them. I'm going to go breathe into them. Oh, got to go ask them about this person. Got to go check in on this. Got to go like this. Whether it's gym members, whether it's people walking in off the street, if you have to be out there, if people stop you when we're out in public, if it's a friend, if it's somebody who comes up to you, you literally operate from these principles in every single person, everybody gets the time of day. Everybody feels seen. Everybody gets respected. Everybody matters around you. And I don't know if you can see it so much because you live in it. But for those listening, like for me, I can tell you that anything you ever create or anything you ever touch with these people is guaranteed to work. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> Come and see me in a year's time. We'll see. No. Well, I'm I'm coming once a month. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but no, just to, to to preface about the cameras too. I don't want people thinking that I'm I turn my chair around and I'm sitting there like Scarface watching the fucking cameras. He's like he, he's there. like uh, Doctor yeah. Evil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I have these uh, cameras set up just to give you more of a visualization. Um, I think I have like 18 cameras. Was it four, three? Six, but we're also in the actual gym, just for the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So outside the, of this office, there's uh, what is the Dragon's Lair Gym, which a lot of people come from all over the world to to participate in this uh, torturous environment. And I met three people from three different parts of the yeah, world today. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's a huge, huge blessing to have, to sit back sometimes, and which I don't do um, enough. Um but when you hear about a story of a, of somebody that's literally jumped on a plane from Australia and comes to the gym before they go to their hotel, yep, you think, wow, that's that's bananas. But I also was that guy. Yep. So I created a gym that was what I had at 19, jumping off a plane, heading straight to Gold's Gym with my suitcase. Yep. And, um, you know, having this, this magical... What would be in a, a magazine version of of uh, my experience? Yeah. Um, but I wanted to create something similar here, and of course, uh, knowing knowing the culture, knowing the community, and and knowing um, a lot of these people personally, which I know, you know, everybody in the, in the bodybuilding space, all at one point in time, I've either been here or I've moved here. I just found out now that Keon Pearson uh, is now. Well, has moved here, and he is now one of the top uh, two twelve guys mm. that is uh, pushing for the title this year, and and is going to be a great battle between him and Sean Clarita, and uh, and I just found out that just walking through the gym, I was like, what the hell are you doing here? I moved here. I was like, so this gym has changed people's lives by them coming here and then them going back home and all the. <laughs> All the, the, the life that is going on in whatever state, they have now said, no, nah, sorry, I am picking up and I am moving myself from X to Vegas. And we truly have the United Nations, yeah? Um, there's so many elite athletes that train out of, that, out of this gym. Mm-hmm. So everything that I thought about creating has now, in the three years we've, we've had this gym, blown up into what it is and more um and it's been so organic you know and you know this george we not put one dollar into marketing it's all been from phones and people coming in and enjoying it, it. it must be from that overnight success of you being loyal to all these people <laughs> over the last i don't know 21 years that has nothing to do yeah. with it right as well, to why you don't have paid media dollars in or maybe it's the must be nice people oh it's those yeah, ones. yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like oh if he has you know, or whatever the other rumors are that uh, Ali's uh, parents have funded this or uh, whatever. It's my rich friend that has this company that pays. It's like, oh, my God. Everybody wants to find the excuse to why people are successful, whether it's, you know, you put a tag on. You know, oh, this guy is, uh, this guy made his money and uh, because his mom and dad give it to him. It's like, no, this guy came from fucking nothing. Yep. You don't know the story, but you want to figure out the story so it makes you feel better. And in the circumstance of me here and Ali, I've heard every kind of rumor. I've even had people ask me, like, you don't own this gym, right? It's like, (laughs) my name is everywhere. Yeah, you're just a face. 
Oh my gosh. It's just like yeah, but um and if that makes you feel better, great. But but the true story is myself and Ali put everything on well, we just put everything all in on this. You did. We seen an opportunity when we were in COVID in Florida and we were in an open state. Life was somewhat becoming normal, quote air quotes, probably listening. Um and we decided to jump on a plane, and uh, we knew there was something bigger and better for us out there. We we had the private facility in in uh, Boca Raton. So let me I'll actually type on that, touch on that. How the Dragons Lair created was, I was training in various gyms in Boca Raton, Florida, and every gym I went into, I became a show and tell. Yeah. And these gym owners would bring me these new pros- prospects for the gym. Oh, this guy's thinking of uh, standing, opening. Yeah, sorry. This guy thinks uh, about to join the gym. Tell him why you should flex. I'm like, sorry, what? Yeah. I'm training back here. Yeah. I'm four weeks out from the Olympia. Yeah. Um, nice to meet you, but this has to kind of end. And it didn't. Yeah. When I turn up and there was like a meet and greet, mm-hmm. unannounced, un- unknown by me. And this became... Common. I was like, this has to end. So yep. um, in the process of knowing as many people as I do in the fitness space, um, I have a lot of friends in the used gym equipment space, and I've given them a lot of business. So when I picked up the call, I was like, hey, um, I'm thinking of opening a private facility, but it's not going to be open to anybody but myself. Sounds super, you know, <laughs> sounds so egotistical, but how I convinced my mind on that. Yeah. Because still having the humble traits I do. Totally. This is going to be the investment into you you've always wanted to do and now you have the ability to do it. Do it. So I decided to rent this 10,000 square foot facility, this warehouse, no windows, no doors, in Boca Raton. Mm-hmm. You can imagine the rent. Um, and decided to move my lifestyle around. So that money that was coming in now was invested into this shell of a building. And then I invested into used gym equipment. So I, I started putting things together. And then this gym was created. Um, so when I had my friends who would come into town, say, you know, these celebrity friends of mine were shooting a movie, they would come and train. Guess what they do, George? They would post. They would put a pin in my gym. So then I had all these random people come into my gym, <laughs> which was no name. So then I realized that we had something here. So then I started yeah. putting more investment in it. I started putting the graffiti on the wall. We called it the Dragon's Lair. So it's my culture. As you can hear, I have this accent of Wales yep. and bodybuilding merged together. Yep. The dragon is the, the, the flag um, on my flag for my culture. So um, we called it the Dragon's Lair. And as time went on, Seven years later, we rebranded it several times. Of course, you know I'm a partner in Arsenal Strength, so my company has grown and scaled exponentially now. So that then became out of the old pieces, in with the brand new uh, Arsenal Strength full line. I flew a guy in from Australia to do the graffiti. So um, what ended up happening was from the outside in, a fully functioning gym. So when I would bring guys in, and this is another thing too, my mentality to to bodybuilding was my weaknesses. I went out and I seeked yep. athletes who had that as a strength. Yep. So I'd bring guys in for camp, kind of like boxers or MMA guys. That's my mentality. A lot of these other guys would train with their 
regular training partner, I was like, okay, you are young. You are hungry. You've not tasted success yet. This is an opportunity for you as is much of a benefit for me. Mm -hmm. So these guys would come in from Middle East, Brazil, different parts of the United States to be in and around me for camp. And that, that mentality was... That mentality to having these young, hungry athletes kept me on the ball. Yep. It allowed me to to know what it was like to chase the title as much as defend and defend and defend that title. So, mm-hmm. um, and again, having these guys like Rafael Brando, right, who is a potential Arnold Classic winner. I say potential because he can easily win it, but it's up to him. Mm-hmm. The same thing for the Olympia. He's going to be a, a, a voice, a, a name that's going to be thrown in the hat of every Mr. Olympia within the next two years. After, mm-hmm. sorry, with the post two years. Yep. But these young and hungry guys is what I was. Yep. And having them around, having them, having them promptly turn up on time because I'm leading from the front now. It reassures me that okay. These guys are here for business, and I want to remain the main business person in this room. So leading from the front, but then allowing them to ask me questions on the business front. So it was very, very pleasurable for me to have somebody that was eager enough to have, you know, two wide eyes, two wide open ears, and learn from the things that were pitfalls for me. So then they could steer the the waters to have you know not have the same experience as me. So let's mention you mentioned Rafael Brando. This guy came to uh, the United States and I was his English English teacher. Can you believe that <laughs> with this accent? I know. That guy went on to then invest in himself. Invest in himself. He went from having an English teacher once a week to twice a week to every single day. This guy now talks shit like better than anybody I know yep. in English. Um. And he's an incredible business, uh, not only a, a business person in bodybuilding, but also outside. He owns a carpentry business. He owns several different shows. He has all these different things that have come along from the mentality shift that he had. And that's something from his own mouth. But again, what I had from these guys was a training partner that wasn't just showing up. They were showing up to better themselves, push me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was getting just as much from what they were given as what I was giving them. Yeah, well, th- this is the thing about it. And and for context, everybody, like we just went back to three years before this gym is in its current yes, state yes, right yes, now. Yes, and sorry. I want to paint a few pictures. No, 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 this is important. So like you're like, oh, egotistical to go rent this gym. But for me, you're still defending your title right now. And, and for everybody... Uh, you can't go to a public gym with flex because uh, flex can't work out. And and no matter how polite people are, they always cross lines. They'll stare at you. They'll stand there. And okay. it's a thing, but you're a defense. No, 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 I'm just saying like you're trying to basically be the Tom Brady of the bodybuilding world. So that's like him practicing when the field's open to the public. <laughs> I guess. Like, yeah. Like uh, factually, right? And yeah. so... But one of the things that I, I constantly hear besides the why, besides the people, is when you get clear on something, you invest in yourself like you've achieved it. Not here, right? Like you immerse your environment. You're like, mm-hmm. nope, uh-uh, I want to be bigger. I want this next level. Okay, I need to create the space. And you're like, okay, but you also are willing to do that and then piece by piece it down. 
because this gym is three years, three and a half years later, and it's gone through seven or eight iterations, if not more. But yet most people without that bodybuilding mindset will try to build the perfect gym in the first place. And then it never gets off the ground or it never works. And like, I'm saying this because, you know, two years ago or whatever, you lived in Florida. Three years, yeah. Three years ago, right? And like you just retired. Like you're at the height of your career, like defending, which means your entire life is designed around eating, sleeping, training, and recovering. Yeah. And then you're opening a new gym, building it from the ground up, training other people, running a camp to train only your weaknesses, immersing your entire environment Mm -hmm. in it. And so, yeah, maybe like, oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's incredible to hear to see and even to reflect for me on simple goals in my life or things that are coming up right now where I'm like, oh, this is important to me, but where I'm not fully investing the environment or making it a priority. It's just a, a really powerful reminder of you're like, you're going to have to do the rep, mm. right? Like you're going to have to take the bite. And if you're going to take the bite, you can either take a half bite or you can make sure you bring everybody else around to load up your plate to yeah. put the biggest bite that you can. And so as you're speaking, I, I, I love it. It's, it's, it's so powerful to even what we spoke about earlier when you said like bodybuilding is about the basics over time. Like everything you talk about, you talked about the gym and opening the gym. You talked Mm. about training clients. You own a clothing company, technically two of them. You have a strength brand company. You, you technically host television shows. Now you're a podcast host and every single thing that you touch Irregardless of its physical products and manufacturing, which you guys had to figure out, if it's drop shipping, if you just had to figure it out, if you guys are opening the gym and then figuring out after how to put the furniture inside, right? And so, like, it's kind of crazy and cool to think about yeah. because, like, the undertone of what even opened it is like, what is the foundational pieces that have kind of made you successful? And so it, it is kind of cool to think about, like even for me to hear and collapse the timeline to like where you are sitting right now in this mm. gym. Yes, it's, it's crazy. Listen, George, me and my wife, <laughs> we never went into this world to be like, oh, let's be gym owners. Some of these people, that's what they will want to do. Facts. We, we honestly, in fact, like when I, we had the... Yes, I don't think any sane person would want to be like, I want to go open a gym. Oh, a lot of people, a lot of them crazy people I know. Um, But we went into this, uh, well, my wife supported me in the madness of, hey, this is where we're at. We need to do this. And she was like, okay, I'll support you whenever you do. And as things started to evolve, that's the key word, evolve. We realized that, wow, okay, we need to, invest a little more in this so we done so many different variations and all uh changes in the gym to a gym that would not see the eyes too many we done it because we evolved so much so fast in that ten thousand space i had another company that was um d to d um uh, sorry it was uh it was uh what was it yeah, actually, it was two companies in that. I had my Flextronic Productions, which yeah. was shipping all my merchandise out. Yeah. And then I had another company that was um, shipping out to various different businesses, B2B. Um, but it was like kind of drop, drop ship stuff, yeah. right? Well, as that scaled, we needed more room. So then I cut into the gym a little bit. 
And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to build this fake wall. And I put barbed wire on top of it. It was truly, like, exciting for me to create this mess. Yeah. Because I was going to do something, project from it. So there were so many different ev- evolutions in that gym. And then we realized, okay, we, not, we need to make this into now what looks like a gym. Kind of, kind of a pro and a con because we filmed from there as if it was a showroom. But then it gave the false illusion for people that it was an open gym. So we have had every kind of story where people have driven all the way from Orlando, which is a couple hours away, all the way from Miami, which is like an hour away. Yeah. And these people would knock on the doors, depending on the, the athletes we had there. Like Raphael would bring in all these athletes, fans, stroke fans, stroke regular people who speak who spoke nothing but Portuguese. Obviously, South Florida is a hub yep. for people from Brazil, but they couldn't speak a word of English. And then I had somebody from the Middle East, and they would come in on vacation, would drive from whatever else. And they're massive fans of the Middle East, the bodybuilding. So it's same as Brazil. And they would plead, please, oh, cry in on the door. And I'm like, oh, I'm such a sucker, come in. But you can't train. You know, they would come in and film, and they would wipe their eyes. we take pictures. But this was becoming more and more of a regular occurrence. And myself and my wife knew we had something special when we caught people sleeping in the cars outside. Yeah. And these guys kept on, different guys, of course, would sleep in their cars and wait for athletes to turn up. And uh, one day I got there early enough, and I was d- at Dallas, I was training with RIP. But I messaged him, and I was like, hey, listen, do not bring that low-ass car anywhere near the front of the gym. you got to walk. He lived across the street till he'd drive. Um, you would have to walk. So the time he got to the gym, he's like, 300 pounds. <laughs> Huffing and puffing, and he was managed to evade the uh, sleeping, uh, sleeping people in the car. But of course, we woke him up after the fact and said, "Hey, you want to cut? You know, whatever you're waiting for us." But we knew we had something, and of course, COVID happened. One of my best friends lived out here in Vegas. He was saying, "Hey, Vegas is missing a gym." I knew this, but I kind of like the seed that planted. So myself and Ali jumped on. This is like the mid COVID. Yep, rented a car. Everything was so weird. Um, and we drove up the Vegas Strip, and we were like, this is like a ghost town. I drove up it in May because I bought a car in Phoenix and drove oh it to Mammoth. God. But I'll never forget because I stopped and parked the Jeep in the middle of the Strip and yeah, you stood on the roof and recorded videos for Instagram for like 30 minutes and didn't see a human. It felt like I Am Legend. With that Will is Smith. just per se. I Am Legend That's is what the it felt closest like. thing. Yeah. You can't, you, you couldn't, even if you had... A hundred million dollar budget to shut down the strip right now. You couldn't achieve that because there would be somebody in that shot. And when I tell you, I there was see not anybody. a soul. You could, right? Nobody. So me and Ali came here, and there was a lot of fud in the water. A lot of people be like, "Oh, this is in. This is life now, as we know." It's like, what the hell are you talking about? This is going to be over soon. Yeah. So we came out here twice. On the second occasion, I found my house and I found this building, which is two buildings, and I said, "I want them both." So. We then started making plans to come out here, and I set up the team here from a far satellite. I, I was like, you guys want to work? Let's go. Let's, let's blast the walls, paper the windows, and nobody will know you're in here. Come through the back door, and uh, let's work. Let's go to work. So I built this up in COVID. Yep. So when it started lightening up your, um, obviously, connection to California is rife. So uh, it started lightening up your, we realized, well, so I say, I knew that as soon as I tell this circle of people, not physically on Instagram, or just this circle of people, my circle of people knew, 
you know, my close ride or die new. And then there's another circle behind that, and they're the don't tell anybody, but Flex has moved you. Yeah. People which still kept it, you know, within close uh, close circles. But I knew the next group, if I was to tell that, they would, they would be a lot of calls coming in. So when I was ready for that, I told the don't, don't say anything, but, and then I told the outside circle, which still think they're in the circle, you know, yep, them yep, people. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and they were like, bro, I'm moving. And that's what happened. We literally had nine Mr. and Miss Olympias that moved to this gym, tail end of COVID. Of course, Florida is kicking at this point in time, yep, you know. Yep. Um, but they moved your George, you know, and we had such a great grand opening. The place was wrapped around. I mean, we weren't mask Nazis here. You know, for us, if you wanted to wear a mask, it was up to you. If you wanted to, you know, for us, we kind of walked that thin line, the mm-hmm. policy. But yeah. Um, we knew that uh, COVID was going to, would be, what would you see, weaned off yeah, eventually. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I got to pick my words carefully or you get more fucking demonetized. Um, <laughs> oh, we don't monetize. Okay, my good. Okay. So, uh, my mouth, had I known that. My mouth demonetized. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. Everything. Had I known that, but no. Uh, we, we truly knew then that we had, that this was, well, we knew, I, I was so confident. Something like delusional confidence too, right? Um, that this is going to work. Um, and so is Ali. When you're around them people, you, you, you're not having them, oh, maybe because that plants seeds. I'm not around them people. I don't like to be around them people. And, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, I love my parents to death, but they are the, what happens if, yep. what happens? And I'm like, if it does, fuck it, whatever, we'll deal with it. But we are moving. We are going for this. And, your Vegas is not what Vegas is. So the the naysayers, the doubters and everything else, uh, they were like, oh, you know, you're going to get caught up in Las Vegas. It's like, listen, Las Vegas is one street. Yep. It's incredible. Don't get me wrong. But that is a distraction. Yep. It's also an attraction. Yep. So using what the attraction element is to link into the business and not the distraction of what they couldn't be to the business yep. is knowing that straight away. I'm also a family guy. I've got two kids. My 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 versions of the strip were running around in the twenties. Yep. I, I, I had a great time. I also know that Vegas has a, a reputation for taking people with an open open mindset and flipping it on themselves and you find yourself in a very uh, I would say a hamster wheel of bad decisions fast. Yep. Um but again that's life. Yeah. You know, you can drink have a couple of drinks and have a great time, or you can go overboard and have an absolute disastrous, I blanked out. Mm-hmm. Vegas is the same way. Use Vegas for what it is. Don't get caught up in the rat race. Mm-hmm. Vegas is a very, uh, how would you describe Tyus, Vegas? You can just yell at Tyus. Here's the mic. How do you describe, see, this is why we need him. In most here. places, it rains. It wipes the grime away. In Vegas, it just makes the grime glisten. Oh, that's a, look, I see. He's been why we need a fucking mic, mic for this for guy. Tyus, yes. Tyus. My yeah. audience is going to petition the Tyus <sighs> mic, too. Yes, give us a couple of... Uh, yeah, and, like, even another reminder, too, though, Flex, like, uh, as we start to land this, like, the, the, the even the mindset piece, you're so... 
intentional about what you'll even allow into your space when you get clear, yeah. right? Because what you have is like when you, and, and what I love is, because on my podcast, I talk about why's all the time, right? It's the core foundation of what I do. But I also explain to people that like when you really have a why, you know you have a why when people start doubting you and you're just not interested in listening to it, yeah. right? That's how you know you have a why. If you don't have a why, you'll start to let that in and you'll start yeah. to believe it and it will start to change your behaviors. And so like even like every single thing that you talk about, every single thing that you've had success with, every single thing comes down to like immersiveness, protecting that environment, having people that are honest with you about your potential, not your current state of being. Yeah. And like holding you to it. Right. And then like supporting and, and doing that. Like I think it's incredible so i i i want to ask like a, a legitimate question around this because i think there's a lot of people myself included that throw goals out throw things out and love the idea of them and start working at them but but never really do the diligence to like is this how i work this backwards is mm. this like what's gonna get me on that stage right like how do you you coach so many people, you talk to so many people, but there's so many people and every entrepreneur, every person listening to this bodybuilder or not, you know, life's going to get hard, right? Like you talk about your story, like it was so effortless, right? And then you do the math and you're like, oh, you were couch surfing for three, four years and you were literally not getting paid for eight. Well, a pro. Mm. And then all of that to get your, you know, first win and everyone's like, oh, must be so nice. And yeah. you're like, yeah, the nine years where I was getting punched in the mouth and decimated over and over. And so, like, I, I think it's important to recognize, too, that, like, you know, when you call that inner circle, like that inner circle exists because of the things that you talked about on this podcast from 20 years ago. And so, like, what are you think? are some of the most important things that people should focus on in their day when it comes to like really setting themselves up to win. Just demand the best version of yourself. Um, I'm surrounded with people who, okay, let, let's just use Tyus as an example, right? Perfect. Me, me and Tyus started working together and I knew that this guy was going to bring the best version of me out on the podcast because, listen, this is a space that scared the shit out of me, mm -hmm. just like bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. uh, if I knew that bodybuilding came with a mic and they told me, it's like, hey, tell us how you done this, I probably wouldn't have done bodybuilding. Yep. You know, I, I grew up with a speech impediment, dyslexic. I was fearful of jumping on a mic. Um, but in close circles amongst the, my peers, I was Jack the lad. I was the, you know, the shit talker. I was the smallest guy in the field with the biggest mouth. Yep. But when it came to... You know, tell us how you done it. Oh, I'd be like, don't give me the mic. So knowing that these things scared me, it's like, okay, why am I, why am I scared or why am I ap apprehensive about doing this? I just said it, right? It's, it's discomfort. Yep. But all my life, to get to an end goal, you've got to put yourself through discomfort and you've got to be uncomfy until it becomes comfy. I love doing podcasts now. You know, I, I, I work with Tyus. You know, we do one, two, three, nine podcasts sometimes, Tyus, right? In one week. We won't go there again, no? Um, but one thing that I do after every episode is I ask Tyus, okay, how can I improve on that? What did I do wrong? What did I do right? He keeps me accountable. I keep him accountable. We want the best product for what we're doing right now. So 
one of the things that I said to myself when the topic of podcast came out to me doing my podcast was investment. Once I invest myself in that and, and hard-earned money that I never had, and I go back to that poor man's mentality, right? It's not what I have now. It's what I, what I, I, I never had. It's spent on something. That's me all in. Yep. I bought the mics. I bought the 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 mixer. You know, tires keeps on making me spend more and more money all the time. <laughs> He's a freaking bottomless pit of money. Uh, but we, anyway. we love tech, man. Yes, we love tech. he does. But, yeah, but if it's one month old, it's too old for him. You got to buy another one now. <laughs> no, it's not that bad, don't he? Um, but we have obviously got the studio that we're working on right yep. now. But that was you got to remember that wasn't even a conversation. I I just wanted to get on a sofa and get through the anxiety of. <laughs> yep, I gone through that. I went in straight away. The first episode was me making the statement I was going to retire yep. on my own podcast. Yep. The second one was kind of, you know, reassuring everybody. Yes, don't worry. That was a true episode. The third one was the Hodge twins. And we went on and hit the fucking ground running. So now the next evolution of, of where the podcast goes is the room behind me right now. There's going to be um, very similar scenario to this. It's a sit down and then we're going to have a studio that's being built. So to answer your question, uh, which was uh, which was uh, the demanding the best yeah, version of myself. Best, yeah. So I demand the best version of myself every single day. I've, and I'm, listen, there's some days that I, I don't get the best version of myself. There's something that happens. Um, but I think it's keeping myself accountable by having certain people in my life. It's keeping my, my myself accountable for certain goals I have to have to achieve. It's not if it's have to achieve. Mm-hmm. It's also having a a plan that is so high in the sky that only you know. Right? People say, Oh, put put it out into the world. I do believe in law of attraction, like in saying it and then doing it, but there's certain things that are so obscene, like in terms of like, bro, like there's no way. You have to have them. I, I truly believe, like, the, the, the life that I'm living right now is the fucking delusion that I had when I was a kid. I was like, I want to have a house, and I want to have a pool, and I want to have, like, these are uh, kind of like, uh, you know, <laughs> these are assets, or these are, what, what would it be, like, uh, uh, these are things that uh, when you're a kid in Wales and you see somebody on a movie. Oh, they're like dreams. Dreams. Yeah, dreams. That is a good word. I should have. <laughs> dreams. What the fuck? <laughs> Thank you. The most basic fucking Come word. Come on. Eng- English, is your, is. English is your second language, it, really. It technically, it's my first, by the way, John. Well, I don't think yes, so. But I can't use this on the th- podcast. I somebody might call so. me out. Yeah, I know. Um, but, but yeah, it's just truly a dream to, to sit back and, and, and be like this kid now and be like, oh, I want this and I want that. These things, have, these bucket list things I've been able to achieve, but they're objects, right? Now I'm trying to change people's lives, whether it's through the podcast, whether it's in the gym, whether it's, uh, you know, having X, Y, Z. So that's what I've... I'm truly enjoying right now is being able to talk to people and be like, hey, you know, you talked about that. I went through it too. And listening to you, now I made this step in this direction or whatever available. How many times has it happened since you and I have been together? Yep. Like for you, mm-hmm. you know? So that, that's that's what I'm enjoying right now. I'm into a new chapter of life. You know, I, I've learned a lot from bodybuilding. Um, I had to really work on myself in silence before I physically went and done, you know, the next chapter of, of moving on and working on my ego. 
I had to have an ego death, like with a bodybuilding sort of things. I I knew that there was this monster that I created that had to had to turn up every every day, and I had to had to had to. There there was these non-negotiables that to become the champion you you sign with blood and sweat and tears but i'm not that guy anymore so to have their mentality and now transcend into business guy new dad fill in the blanks yep that is no not the mentality to have as a mr olympia right yeah so um i guess that's that's it now is now i'm into new chapters obviously i just mentioned i'm i'm a uh, a dad um, of two you know my my daughter is turning eight in november and my son just turned one so having having these new uh responsibilities and having um you know the businesses and having all these other cool endeavors that i'm working on plus other things that i can't even talk about in the podcast that are way outside the scope are so very exciting but again i guess the drive i have for these new endeavors is the same exciting drive that I've always had for bodybuilding. And I was always worried about replacing that X. Um, and I'm now finding my feet in, f- I think I'm finally, f- well, I know. I'm in a new chapter now of finding these new, new and exciting things to replace what was my ever then before. Yeah, I'd say you're in a new book. New book. Yeah, yeah. I'd say this was the, the 39th year. Both of us were in a new book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're writing. We're excited for the new fucking yeah, yeah, book like to be writing, written. Yeah, yeah, like writing. Yeah, I'm stoked. Yes. Because I, I have, I, I forgot what it was like to, to have ridiculous, audacious fucking dreams again. And I'm like, you know what? Love it. I haven't let myself do that for a while, right? And it's 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 great. And I, I love that you talk about it too, because to, to kind of land the show, like even when you talked about like, dreaming from a kid from wales like the the pool the thing right like you were looking for possibility to change what you believed you could achieve but then the reason you achieved it is because you never wanted the pool (laughs) you loved who you were becoming in the process Mm -hmm. and you kept pursuing that and even when you talk about like you and ali and you're like oh we don't know it's like well you have all the things because you never really set out to do all the things because your whole life has been a bodybuilder and so the thing is yeah. the 212 shredded on stage, which has to be a byproduct of these sets, reps, diets, and workouts for the next 12, 18, 16, sometimes years, mm-hmm. months, or weeks. And so I, the amount of fortune cookie knowledge in this podcast, like if anybody listening to this, if you just even go a little deeper and flex a story or put the pieces together, you'll hear a 20-year roadmap of yeah. like what it took to be that and everybody wants to be the Mr. Olympia, the the one with the most Instagram followers, the one with the most lead magnets, the one that gets the most products, the one with most customers. But then the question that you have to be willing to ask yourself if you're listening to this is like, if you say you really want that, are you integrously willing to put in the time, the reps and the work to get that blood contract in writing? Because to be the best means that you have to want it more than anybody else wants it and be willing to push when nobody else will push. And it's also okay to not want it that bad and realize that half of that is still a thousand times better than what you would have been before. But you got to keep biting it. And so now, just everybody, I think if you haven't listened to my episode on, on Flex's show, you should. But you and Tyus are the comedic relief. And tell everybody about your show real quick so we can wrap this one. So um, I have a Straight Out the Lair podcast. Yeah. Um, 
And first of all, before I go any further, thank you very much. Oh, I, yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent in what you said. Yeah. Um, I know both you were like, you and I love to talk, so this podcast is like fucking two hours already. I'm sure. No, I got time. Okay. Well, Tyus doesn't. So I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to end it for Tyus now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we have uh, straight out of there podcast yep. here, which is shot at the Dragon's Lair. Hence, straight out of the lair. Uh, we have some incredible guests. Um, I'm very fortunate that in the you know multiple years that I was a champion, I actually had a lifelong before that. Yeah, and I knew and met a lot of these people who have now become celebrities in their own right, in their own fields, in their own genres, um, way outside the scope of bodybuilding and way outside the worlds of bodybuilding. So I love to get athletes, business. Uh, owners, investors, um, entrepreneurs, um, just incredibly savage people in their own right on my podcast. So we've had people uh, all the way from Alex and Mosey um, to Jelly Roll to yep. Frank Mia to Jay Cutler to um, yourself. Yep, the lineup's and massive. many other people that have all kind of been in the same seat that you've been in and you know, done incredible, incredible, great podcast. For me, I love the mindset element, just yeah. like you. Yeah. I love to ask the questions of what made you great? Yeah. What was the straw that broke the camel's back? And where were you uh, in the process? You know, did yeah. you have, did you have a great uh, experience in life or did you go through heartache, which is always the case? Mm-hmm. The most common, uh, common sort of, overarching sort of storyline to everything is trauma yep trauma is a big part in any successful person's life because you have to turn to something when you have physically nothing left you're exhausted no caffeine uh, or a cup of coffee or an energy drink is going to propel you into new realms when memories are uh, tapping into this mental fortitude will yeah so that element is always the common you know thread in everything i do um and success when you use that trauma correctly and tap into that is always going to be the end result so you have yours i have mine many 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 i would dare say all of the guests that i've had sitting in the same seat of you all have had the same uh, type of uh, drive um, that have all come from that experience, that beginning, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and I love tapping into that. We've had a lot of tears on that sofa, sofa in se- yourself included. Myself included. But we've also had guys that are three times your size that have yeah. sat in that <laughs> fucking seat and cried just like the best of them. I love so, it. So um, not that I kind of promote tears, but I, I think do. That every, I do. We do. Well, every episode. Le- le- well, I can't see that. Well, no, on, on, my, my, on my show. We're on my, on my show. Oh, okay. oh, that's right. On my show. I keep forgetting. On my <laughs> show, on my show, we don't uh, we don't kind of push, no, no. push tears, but we do like them. No, no, no. Everybody comes on a show to have fun. We just don't tell everybody. But on yeah. my show, like, I'm just honest. I'm like, no, no, we cry over here. Yeah, okay. Well, on, on, on mine, we've had um, a lot of uh, incredible stories told yeah. that are followed with tears. Yeah. And, um, if we get there, we get there. Yeah. I, 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 and I do appreciate the honest uh, and vulnerable sides that so many of these people have brought, including yeah. yourself. Because, yeah. listen, for me, to let that guard down 
is big. You know, a lot of these guys have may, have, may have never taught, talked about certain things or even told a story. And that, them exclusivities have been done on my show many, many times. So I'm, I'm truly appreciative. And, and, you know, you are one of them guys who've come on and, and, and talked about a lot of the stuff which your viewers are, are very privy about. So I appreciate you on that, mate. So um, I don't know if that's landing the plane. No, that's landing the plane. So And here's the thing. It's, it's so great because... The undertow of all of this is like if you really want to win this game, you got to kind of have a relationship with your own dragon. And so you got to learn it. You got to know it. You got to know what makes it breathe fire. You got to know what makes it tick. And, and, and you have to have a relationship with it. Consistency is going to win over time, right? Surround yourself with incredible people. Get really clear on your goals, but give yourself a why that you're willing to stand up no matter how hard it gets. Have people that hold you accountable and just keep taking bites out of it every single day. And, and for everybody listening, I highly recommend Flex's podcast. I listen to it personally. Most of my friends are on it. I've been on it. But it's incredible, and Flex is better at asking questions than I am anyways. Um, But he gets to the root of it, and it's incredibly moving. But I will say to edify and anchor this, what you consume, what you listen to, who you listen to dictates how you see the world. And so listening to people's podcasts like Flex's and these people that are honest and open about what it took is that when you study mindset, you're going to realize that it lands in the same place, that yeah. no matter how many times you look, you're going to end up with the same answers that we ended up with today. So the reason I ask is so more people remove the oxygen from my excuses to thinking there's an easier way for me to do it. <laughs> and so that's why I love having the flexes in my life. Where I'm like, no, I'm done with that set. And he's like, no, you have 12 more reps, motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I can't put my suitcase in the overhead tonight. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Right. Bye, George. Bye. And so I will say this, if you are in Vegas ever, make sure you come to the gym. I train here when I'm here. It's absolutely incredible. It's the Dragon's Lair in Vegas. Check out Flex's podcast. We will be doing a round two on mine with him. We'll do a round two on his with me. Uh, And I'll be sharing a lot of stuff with Flex's stuff as well, the clothing brands, things like that. We have a lot of stuff in the pipeline. So A lot of cool stuff, my friend. It's incredibly dope. And Tyus, thank you for being the silent, bald-headed brother support. My my little... Hairless. Yeah, that's him. another story for another time. Yeah, we'll uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep seeding the uh, the hair thing for for Flex's podcast. Thank God he's faceless. Oh no, you've actually seen. Yeah, oh, you want seen? Okay, look at this guy. He's, yeah, he's, he's dancing he's around the got camera. It. So for everybody listening, I, I mean it. Go go go, Merson. <laughs> Flex is tagged on my Instagram. You'll see him tagged in the show notes. Make sure you check it out. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here, man. I absolutely appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming to my podcast, and thank you for having me on yours and yours on mine. Yeah, Does that well, make sense. Yeah, the inception of this is all in, insane. So for everybody listening, watching, <laughs> this has been another episode of the Mind of George Show. Uh, remember that relationships will always be the algorithm, especially the most important one, which is you. If you needed any more evidence besides, you know, the seven time, I don't know, best in the world who just told you that for an hour and a half. So maybe take some notes, but you'll either hear me in the next episode or you'll see me in your eyeballs. But either way, we are out. Out. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. 
We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com, and I'll see you in the next episode.